The image took your breath away and broke your heart. A pit bull found in a North Charleston neighborhood with her muzzle wrapped so tightly with electrical tape, the circulation to her tongue was cut off. Her owner said he taped her mouth shut because she was barking too much. That dog was taken to the Charleston Animal Society in May of 2015 and renamed Caitlin. Aldwin Roman, Vice President of Operations and Strategy, says Caitlin, who is now healthy and happy, became the face of animal abuse. Today, a parole hearing for William Dodson. He was sentenced to five years in state prison after taping Caitlin the dog's mouth shut. Caitlin became this, this ambassador, this spokesperson for all animals that had been abused. It just became a really a big megaphone for us to be able to talk about this serious problem and how to properly address it. So you've seen a lot of abuse. So hard to prove um, and get convictions on animal cruelty cases, but with this one, you know, we found her, we were able to save her. We found the person who was responsible. The person was convicted and went all the way through the process. And it was just, it just, we got justice for this animal. Sometimes we hear that there is a connection between animal abuse and people abuse. Have you found that to be true? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I, for me, that, I think that's why I'm so also really passionate about our human education program, because the earlier we can introduce compassion and empathy to children, um, I think is really important. There's a lot of research that's shown that, uh, you know, those that are younger that accuse animals uh, will most likely or will go on to uh, abuse people or hurt or be violent towards people. And usually that means those that are more vulnerable, which is children, you know, women and the elderly. So this is very serious. I actually, if you look back at history, most of the most notorious serial killers um, in history started out abusing animals and then moved on. So we know it's a precursor. Not everyone who abuses animals will go on to abuse people, but there's a likelihood. There's it's a it's a it's a it's a marker, and so we. You know, it, it definitely is. A, that link is not a theory. It's it's almost a, a scientific fact. And so everything we can do to address it and also bring in, you know, bring in other agencies to help us. And a big part of protecting animals, Aldwin, is getting legislators on board. Every year we, we see the, the animal cruelty or the animal protection 
rankings from the Humane Society of the United States or from the Animal Legal Defense Fund, which are the two big organizations that, that release those every year. And South Carolina is consistently in the bottom third. We just do not have very progressive uh, animal protection laws. Our, our laws are just old. Uh, actually, we try to figure out when our animal cruelty statutes in our state were created, and we still can't. It's so far back that it's hard to actually get something concrete. You have a lot of different programs that put the organization on the road. Um, let's talk about some of those programs like Pets for Life, Rural Paws. Everyone deserves to have that bond with a pet. And there shouldn't be a reason just because you make a certain amount of money or you're in a certain situation doesn't mean you should be excluded. There's really, everyone should have that opportunity if they want a pet to have it. We wanted to address the problems that we've seen, which is access to care, meaning, you know, there's places where there's no, there's not a vet clinic for two hour, a two hour drive, if you're lucky, or places that have tons of vet clinics, but the prices are unaffordable for many families. So our Helping Hands for Rural Paws program, which is our mobile, uh, mobile veterinary program, we actually go out to the remote areas in the community and bring our services directly to the communities. And our, our Pets for Life program kind of takes it a little bit even more a little further, and this Pets for Life program is in the North Charleston area, and we actually go door-to-door in most of the, the most underserved areas in North Charleston, um, offering directly, proactively offering services uh, for people with their pets, whether it's just giving them some training advice or offering them a bag of dog food or uh, signing their pet up to get spayed and neutered and actually transporting it for them all the way to the Animal Society and back, and then, you know, those families that that get services through Pets for Life have a direct connection with one of our outreach staff. So they don't call the main building when they need help. They call one of our individual staff and they have that personal connection. So we're really supporting families when they need it to try and keep that, you know, ultimately to keep that pet in the home, out of the shelter, safe, healthy, and happy um, in the home it already has. Do you consider yourself an animal welfare warrior? I think it's a pretty good description. You've been on the front lines with animal welfare and care and connecting animals to families for more than a decade. I mean, you've been out there for a really long time. Yeah, I know it's, it's something that um, I didn't know I was going to get into, but as soon as um, I dipped my toes in it, um, I jumped completely in. And I, I guess in the sense of being a warrior, I, I'm fully invested in, you know, it is, it is kind of a battle at times. Um, for trying to create a better world. And how did you start? What piqued your interest? It was almost an accident. So I went to school and college thinking I really wanted to not necessarily get into politics, but get into human services and um, looking internationally. I wanted to get into international politics, international affairs, helping um, like third world countries that are you know, struggling or the, the people in those countries are being oppressed and don't have a voice. I wanted to be a voice for those people. And so I was looking much, much, much larger. Um, got a little disillusioned towards the end of school and was just really not losing my passion for it. Um, and had recently adopted a dog from a rescue and uh, was talking to my girlfriend at the time, was my wife now, and you know, I was saying, you know, I really want to help those that don't have a voice but I just, I don't know about this, this international politics thing. And she's like, well, you know, if you really want to help those that don't have a voice, you know, have you ever looked at helping animals? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, they, they literally don't have a voice. You have to be a voice for them. So I started just kind of looking into it. Um, 
stumbled into a job in a shelter, literally scrubbing kennels out of college, which my parents were not happy at all. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just found a shelter, found this kennel cleaning job, and I was like, I'll just try it. See, I guess this is what animal welfare is. And then as soon as I started, I was was just hooked um, and have just been kind of working my way through different positions, everywhere from cleaning kennels to doing adoptions to being a vet tech to being a cruelty investigator to now overseeing operations and overseeing outreach programs. So it's just been this kind of almost accidental journey, but I just found something that I had no idea I would be passionate about. I'm not one of those that, you know, was born like, oh, I want to be a veterinarian. I just, I didn't have that. But when I discovered animal welfare, it's just, I knew this is it. Now I, I see this animal welfare and the passion for me is, is more than just about the animals, but how those animals impact people, I guess, similarly to how they impacted me and how, you know, families have these pets, but it's just so much more than a pet, uh, especially uh, for families that are living in underserved communities or that are struggling your pet um, is is a support system. It, it's you know maybe the one reason you get up in the morning is to to take care of your pet. And I just realized animals have such this amazing power on our community, and by helping animals, we have a chance to help people in a way that we may have never been able to help them before. So ultimately you are doing what you initially intended to do, but in a different way, maybe a circuitous route to helping people. (laughs) Yes, no, no, exactly. Uh, My my original goal when I went to school was, uh, you know, I want to help people, but I wanted to change the world. I wanted to make it a better place. Um, And exactly, I have come around and now I feel like I'm getting a chance to do that in a very indirect way, but it's, it's a, I think it's an effective way. Aldwin, I know you love your job, but what is the toughest part of what you do? People, you know, the animals uh, are very open to accepting our help. Uh, people are messy, and sometimes it's almost, you know, the, a lot of the problems that we have with animals overpopulation and abuse are people problems that animals have gotten caught up in. So the toughest part of taking care of animals are people. <laughs> that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> Aldwin Roman, thank you so much for your time and thank you for all the good work you do in taking care of animals and connecting animals to families. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Carolyn. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Carolyn Murray. Let's Talk is produced by David Dixon. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe, write a review, and tell your friends about it. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye until the next time.